What is up, freaks? It's your boy, Marty Bent, here to introduce this rip of RHR. A very good rip, if I do say so myself. Very level-headed. Not very emotional. Very level-headed. A lot of tech talk. A lot of software talk. A lot of software updates. A lot going on in the space, on the software side, on the building side, which is good to see. Uh, I think you guys are going to like it. This rip was brought to you by our good friends at the motherfucking Kasha. Breaking news. We're not able to talk about it. Uh, on the podcast because Jack dropped this thread 25 minutes ago and we stopped recording like an hour ago. But it seems that Square is creating a new business, joining Seller, Cash App, and Title, focused on building an open developer platform with the sole goal of making it easy to create non-custodial, permissionless, and decentralized financial services. Our primary focus is Bitcoin. Its name is TBD. They're going to do this all out in the open, open source, so it seems like Jack is... Creating a new business focused on building open developer platform for creating what seems to be Bitcoin DeFi products. Very exciting. Obviously, Square is the parent company of Cash App, sponsor of the pod. Cash App, you can use to dollar cost average into Bitcoin. You can stack sats, as the kids say these days. DCA, dollar cost average, you set a set amount that you want to buy on a set cadence. You can do it daily, weekly, or bi-weekly. On the Cash App, Cash App can even be your bank account. They're offering account numbers and routing numbers so you can get your paychecks direct deposited into the app. They've got their Boost program that allows you to personalize your own debit card, which is accepted anywhere. Visa is accepted. It's all Gucci over at the Cash App. If you haven't download, downloaded it yet, make sure you use the code StackingSats. That's S-T-A-C-K-I-N-G-S-A-T-S. You're going to get $10, and $10 is going to go to our good friends at Owls Lacrosse. That's Owls Lacrosse. Owls lacrosse. This trip is also brought to you by our good friends at Unchained Capital, or very good friends at Unchained Capital. And bear with me. Don't bear with me. Go on a journey with me, freaks. Neil Woodfine's taken over the marketing department over at Unchained, and we've got some new ad material to talk about. We're still going to talk about their concierge uh, onboarding program. It's proven to be very popular. And there's just a little switch up to the ad here. All right. There's an urgency to upgrade your Bitcoin security beyond custodians, even single sing, sig wallets. Multi sig, as we said before, gives you significantly more security because you can uh, hide keys in different geographic locations, which makes it so a five dollar wrench attack uh, will not be successful in moving your Bitcoin unless they were to travel to each geographic location where your multi sig wallets are held. Um, which, which makes that much more expensive and time-consuming. Unchained makes setting up collaborative custody really, really easy for you. Um, so what we're shilling today is their concierge onboarding service or their free consulta- consultation service, which they've recently added. Okay, So for long-term Bitcoin savings, it's important to eliminate, again, single points of failure. No matter how careful you are, sometimes things can go wrong. And when they do, you need to be confident that you're not going to see your savings go to zero. If you're using any exchange or custodian, the single point of failure is obvious, not your keys, not your coins. Uh, it could be the company staff or your login, SIM swap. We talk about it in this episode. But even if you're using a hardware wallet, you're still exposed to other single points of failure. Your wallet, it's backup, and even yourself. So think about collaborative custody uh, based on Bitcoin multisig, where no single key controls your Bitcoin, and one key is shared with a trusted partner, in this case, Unchained Capital, who will be on the hand to help with recovery if one of your keys is lost or stolen, requiring multiple keys to spend your Bitcoin ensures that your Bitcoin savings are safe. 
even if you make a mistake while ensuring you're always in total control. Setting up a collaborative custody vault may sound daunting for some listeners, but our friends at Unchained Capital have made getting started super easy with their concierge service. Uh, I was a beta tester of their concierge service, was walked through the process myself. I have a portion of my stack in an Unchained vault. I highly recommend it. The concierge team will provide you with personal one-on-one guidance to get you set up with a secure solution fast, even if you've never held your own keys. They ship hardware devices to you directly from the manufacturer, walk you through the setup steps at your own pace, and cover everything you need to know about Bitcoin security. Once you're set up with Unchained, you can easily access other services, including buying and selling Bitcoin, Bitcoin retirement accounts, and Bitcoin-backed loans. You can begin the concierge onboarding process on their site at unchained-capital.com slash concierge, concierge, C-O-N-C-I-E-R-G-E, and get $50 off with the promo code TFTC. If you're not quite ready to dive in yet, they're offering a totally free one-on-one consultation to help you learn more about what's on offer. So if you just want to check out, see what they're all about, you can do that as well. Again, we love the team at Unchained all their products, they're Bitcoin first, they're Bitcoin focused, they're security focused, they're building some of the best products. I use their products. I use their content to help orange pill people. Incredible team and it's only getting stronger. Unchained-capital.com slash concierge is what we're shilling today, but go check out everything they're doing. Uh, if you do do the concierge service, use the code TFTC to get $50 off. This trip is also brought to you by good friends at Hoddle Hoddle. Hoddle Hoddle is also leveraging multi-sig and the way they're doing it is to create a lending platform lend at hodl hodl is a new non-custodial bitcoin backed lending platform that allows peer-to-peer lending and borrowing between users globally anonymously and on your own terms no kyc no aml available to u.s citizens because it's non-custodial and again they leverage bitcoin's multi-sig so the way it works is you put your bitcoin in a two or three multi-sig wallet as an escrow account and acts as an escrow account. You hold one key, your counterparty holds one key, HODL HODL holds the third key. Um, and so the way this works, you put your Bitcoin, if you're short funds, if you need some liquidity, put your Bitcoin in this two or three uh, multi-sig escrow account, you get stablecoin liquidity in return. And as long as you're paying that stablecoin loan back and you're making sure that you're, uh, you're collateral, you're sufficiently collateralized, throughout the duration of the loan, you're going to get your stats back at the end of the day. And you know this again, because you hold one of the three keys in the two or three multi-sig escrow, which means you have visibility into the wallet at all times, which means that you can ensure that your sats aren't being rehypothecated. Uh, you don't have to entrust anybody. You, you can trust yourself and uh, a block explorer that, that shows you that your Bitcoin has not moved. Um, if you have stable coins laying around, you want to get some yield in them, you can enter the other side of that marketplace. You put them up to be lent out and you get... Uh, a yield in return for for offering that service. So create your offers and set your own terms on lend.hodlhodl.com. That's L-E-N-D.H-O-D-L-H-O-D-L.com. Last but not least, this rip was brought to you by our good friends at Brains. Guess what? Ding, 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 ding. The slush pool upgrade has officially been pushed. We've seen it at Great American Mining. It's beautiful. And they made it within July. They said they were going to get it done in July. They were triple, quadruple checking. And guess what? July 15th, dead smack in the middle. Actually, they launched it yesterday, so the 14th, right before the middle of the month. Pretty impressed. Not going to lie. When what's minor? When what's minor? That's my question, guys. 
Uh, the Brains OS Plus firmware update. Uh, there was a Brains OS Plus firmware. Uh, let's talk about the Slush Pool update first. The Slush Pool update uh, comes with uh, a better layout, UX, UI wise. It's got dark mode, um, but it's also got more flexible payout schemes. So you can set thresholds for when you want to get Bitcoin sent to your wallet. And you can split payments as well if you're pointing your hash to Slush Pool as a business and you need to distribute uh, the mined Bitcoin to multiple stakeholders in your business. Uh, the new upgrade uh, has made that possible. They've also updated their Brains OS Plus firmware, which includes full support for the S minor, uh, the Ant Miner, the S minor, the Ant Miner S17E and T17E, as well as some significant improvements to the auto tuning for all X17 devices. And it's available now at Brains, that's B R A I I N S dot com slash OS slash plus brains double I B R A I I N S brains OS plus is compatible. This is an important service announcement. It's compatible with any mining pool. And a lot of people think that if you use brains OS plus firmware, you have to point it at slush pool. This isn't true. You don't need to mine a slush pool when you use the firmware. But if you do mine with slush pool, you're going to get 0% pool fees. So that's their incentive to get you to point that brains OS plus uh, jacked up hash at slush pool, 0% pool, pool fees. Since network hash rate is at one-year lows due to the China crackdown, now is a great time for miners to juice up their ASICs with auto-tuning firmware and stack even more sats. And I love this part of the read because we get to learn. For those who don't know how this works, it mostly comes down to the silicon of the hashing chips. There are very small variations in the silicon quality for every chip in an ASIC. Typically, stock firmwares that come with the machines treat the entire device as a uniform unit, sending the same frequencies and voltages through the hashboards. Brains OS Plus boosts performance by experimenting with different frequencies and voltages on each individual chip to learn which chips are higher quality than others. Then it calibrates to send more work to higher quality chips and less work to lower quality ones. The end result of this per chip tuning is more hash and thus more sats per watt of power consumed. Currently supported devices are the Antminer S9, S9i, S9j, as well as the S17, S17 Plus, S17 Pro, T17, T17 Plus, and the ones that were just added, the S17e and T17e. Next up is what's minor, of course, along with the S19s from Bitmain. Edward Austin wants to see that what's minor firmware. He's been asking. Stay tuned, TM, for updates to the firmware and slush pool. Actually, you don't have to stay tuned for the slush pool update. It was pushed yesterday, and we already described it. Check out insights.brains.com, I-N- S-I-G-H-T-S dot brains dot com for content, stats, charts, and mining profitability tools to stay up on top of everything happening in the mining industry. Hope you guys enjoy this rip. Enjoy your life. Enjoy the time on this earth and fight. Stand up. Fight. Fight against the authoritarian cancer that's metastasizing around the world. It's time. You've had a dynamic where money's become freer than free. If you talk about a Fed just gone nuts, all, all the central banks going nuts. So it's all acting like safe haven. I believe that in a world where central bankers are tripping over themselves to devalue their currency, Bitcoin wins. In the world of fiat currencies, Bitcoin is the victor. I mean, that's part of the bull case for Bitcoin. If you're not paying attention, you probably should be. What is up, freaks? It's your boy Marty Bent here for another edition of Rabbit Hole Recap. I'm setting up the live stream, sitting down with our very, very good friend Matt O'Dell. Matt, how the yo, hell yo, are yo. you? What um, 
What's filler? We need some filler for the for the podcast freaks as I get this set up. What's some good filler? Use your own node, learn how to use CoinJoin, care about your privacy, stay on one stack. All right. That was that was some good filler. That was some good filler. We need just one more filler, which I would say. listen to uh, Marty's uh, interview with Michael Saylor. Very controversial. A lot of mixed reviews on that one. Well, we'll maybe we'll talk about it um, when we go live here because I think other people may want to hear it. Um, TFTC 21. All right. We're going live right now. Boom. Boom. What is up, freaks on the live stream? We're here for RHR, Rabbit Hole Recap. Uh, today is July 15th, payday for a lot of people around the world. Congrats. And hope it's a Congrats good Thursday for payday. you all. Um, yeah, we were just saying it's a bit of a quiet week, but uh, still in this consolidation phase. We're currently sitting at 31,000. I don't have the dashboard up. What an amateur move. Currently sitting at $31,285. One cuck buck's going to get you. 3,196 sats. Let's just go through the dashboard right now. We'll jump into conversation. Uh, we're at block height 691,166. We are uh, 322 blocks away from the next adjustment, which uh, it seems like some hash has come on the network since last week. Uh, the, uh, last week when we met here, uh, the adjustment was estimated to be like negative 11% and estimated to be on July 21st. As of right now, uh, it's going to be a downward adjustment of 5.6%, and that's estimated to happen uh, on Sunday, July 18th. Um, so that's interesting. It's an interesting thing to note. Uh, currently 479 transactions in Clark's mempool. It's a uh, ghost town. It's a fucking ghost town in there. It really is. It really is. Uh, get your one sat per byte transactions in if you need them, freaks. Whirlpool capacity exploding. 3,135.25 BTC. Awesome. Um, unspent value is down, though, as the price has fallen uh, below 100 million, currently sitting at 98.1 million cuck bucks. Uh, yeah, that's all we got for the dashboard. Finally got Samurai Wallet on the feed. Yeah, it was a great rip. It was you, um, Samurai Wallet, and Open Noms. Correct. Return dispatch guest, Open Noms. Matt, are you are you Monero shill? No, I'm not. Uh, if anything, uh, that influencer who was calling me out shills it more than I do. But uh, I'm waiting for him to increase his bounty. That's why I didn't answer that Monero is clearly a shitcoin. Yeah. No, I've said many fucking times. Well, people ran with that tweet that you put right before dispatch oh that was thought, a trigger tweet for dispatch too yeah yeah they thought you were shilling monero but if you actually comprehended had the reading comprehension of the tweet you're just saying hey don't get mad get even by competing i'm in the unique position where uh the status bitcoin influencers don't like me and the monero stands don't like me either so uh, it's, it's a great position to be in uh i'm I, I I don't know if I'm in a similar position, but I'm definitely in a position where I think a lot, a lot of the statists are, are not happy with me. There comes a point where it's, you know, like I don't block people so they can, you know, they, they, they can run around in my comments if they want to run around in my comments, but I'm not going to engage with someone uh, that continuously acts in bad faith and has zero respect for me whatsoever. So like, uh, if, if you're wondering why I don't respond to certain people, um, 
it's because they can simply go fuck themselves. And uh, there, there's, there's never enough for them. They'll never be quenched. You know, I, I could say whatever I want to, I, I could say exactly what they want to say and they'll still, they'll, they'll still be, you know, making up baseless accusations. Um, so like that, that's just exhausting. There's, there's not enough time in the day to deal with that shit. Well, that's why I take the exact opposite approach and I, I block liberally because I just don't have the mental um, time, the time to expend mental work on trolls and other people. It clears your headspace too. I highly recommend it. No blocking. I block. This is why we come here. This is why we meet here. Different perspectives. Uh, big week. Not not a big week. Pretty quiet week. Eh, one big thing. What do, so what do you think? Let's start with Blue Wallet and their LDK, the Lightning Development Kit implementation that they um, teased earlier this week. They have a GitHub page for it as well. Obviously, it's open source, but it seems like the first, at least that I'm aware of, um, implementation of the Lightning Development Kit, which for any of you freaks out there who are unaware, it is the uh, Lightning implementation that the Square Crypto team's been working on for some years now. They officially released um, the kit a few weeks ago, um, and this seems like the first wallet to actually leverage LDK, which is um, an implementation written in Rust, um, and it was worked on by Matt Carallo, um, Val. If you guys want to understand uh, how the Square Crypto team was thinking about approaching this LDK specifically and go find the episode with um, with Matt Carallo and Val from, gosh, I was back in the Brooklyn studio days. Good times. Um, but it seems like... They, one of the last rips there, right? Yeah, yeah. One of the last rips. Um, and a lot of what we talked about then uh, seems to have come to fruition, particularly the ability to open channels via hardware wallet, which uh, is one of the cool features that Blue Wallet highlighted in their in their video. Yeah, so I mean, you can open directly from the hardware wallet um, and you can close the hardware wallet. Obviously, when they're actually, when the channel's open, it's hot. Yes. Um, because it needs to be, because you're constantly updating channel states. Um, What's really cool here is uh, their implementation is in React Native, uh, which is a very common uh, language used in, in mobile development for both iOS and Android, so it's cross-platform. Um, so it should be way easier for wallet devs to add this Lightning implementation um, to their mobile wallets. Yeah, and apparently it's very lightweight. Uh, you can leverage Electrum with it. Um, and it, yeah, it, it just seems like it's pretty, uh, pretty high performance and a pretty well done implementation, I guess. And, and we've had this many times, this conversation on this topic, many times, like it'll be interesting to see what the landscape of the lightning network looks like a decade from now, are all the implementations still around? What are the network effects look like? How do they interact and interoperate with each other? Uh, are certain implementations used for certain use cases and others for other use cases? Uh, it's one of the unknowns uh, in the Lightning Network space, at least right now, which will be fun to see how it plays out. Um, how do you think? I mean, we've had this before, but I, I think you could see them coexist for quite a while. I think like there's going to be one or two implementations that take the overwhelming majority of use 
uh, I think that's just how things go. Um, but it'd be nice if we had some healthy competition uh, in the meantime. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of on Lightning. Anything I lightning? think in general, mobile, right? Like the overwhelming majority of end users are going to be mobile users. Um, I feel like this is a, it's, it's a thing that like the hardcores generally disregard both in terms of not only lightning, but also on-chain usage. Um, mm -hmm. The overwhelming majority of people in the world when they interact with Bitcoin is going to be with their mobile phone. It's their main computer. It's, it's how they interact with everything else. You know, I, I don't know the exact numbers, but I assume the majority of people that interact with Twitter are doing it, you know, through their mobile phone, um, especially in the de developing world. So it, we, we need more, more tools in that ecosystem. Um, and the more, the better, more options, the better. Yeah. I mean, it's not even naive to think that it's not going to be mostly mobile. It's, it's just ignorant and, um, it's, it's very Western perspective, right? Like, like this, it's, if we want to get uh, a billion people as, uh, Elizabeth Stark, um, she wants to make the number of people go up if that, if we are successful in doing that, the vast majority of them are going to be using Bitcoin mobile first. And it's just a fact that you have to take into consideration. Um, and just come to grips with and design around that too, which is another interesting topic to bring up. It was like the design of these wallets and the interactions and something I wrote about in the bent a couple of days ago, um, Zender, Zentoshi, uh, and Damien Ma were just having like a, a conversation and thread about uh, QR code UX particularly. And I didn't know this, but apparently with the QR codes, like wallets can set up, obviously Moon has this interoperability, but you can, um, should be extended to other wallet software. It's like the ability to get a QR code and it has an on-chain address and a Lightning Network public, um, or excuse me, Lightning Network invoice embedded in it as well. So if you just point your phone, whether you're using Lightning or on-chain, um, it'll be able to pick it up and you don't have to choose. I think the, the pain point Zender was highlighting specifically was with BTC Pay Server, you have to choose on-chain or Lightning. And it's just a, a mental step that a user has to take and another friction point, if you will, um, just highlights the need for, for good designers in the Bitcoin space, which there are plenty of right now, but we could always use more. Um, something I tried to like highlight in the newsletter is if you're a designer out there, if you're a UX designer, or a visual UI designer, like the, the opportunity to create new experiences around Bitcoin and as uh, apps get built to interact with the Bitcoin network is massive. Like if you're a designer is a go-getter and wants to be known for innovating in that field, particularly like Bitcoin is a wide open space that uh, desperately needs help. And, um, you could go down as, as a an epic designer if you design these experiences and and help people um, adopt bitcoin and, and use it uh, much easier 100 percent um i mean so marty before we get into the next topic i feel like a lot of freaks kind of want to post mortem of your uh your epic conversation with uh with sailor do you want to uh well how do you feel about it after the fact there's been i mean it seems pretty split down the middle uh in terms of reaction of the the conversation, I, a lot of people are calling it a debate, but you need a moderator for it to be a true debate. And it was a, a back and forth about the Bitcoin Mining Council and ESG. 
obviously. Uh, and yeah, it seems pretty split. I mean, I understand the the perspective of Michael and Darren, uh, especially as they run businesses that are public and uh, plan to go public at some point in the future. They have to posture uh, in a certain way, particularly as it pertains to ESG. Um, and I get that. I understand it. But I, again, as has been <laughs> made very apparent on these airwaves and Gamcast and on my Twitter account, like I think ESG is a potential attack vector um, that could coerce some Bitcoin companies, particularly publicly traded Bitcoin companies, to act in certain ways that may not um, align with the the ethos or the reason they taught of the Bitcoin network. Uh, just, I think it's important to get that perspective out there and, and really hash this out. And again, a big topic towards the end of the conversation was pick your battles. Like, why are you trying to take on uh, ESG, which is a movement with $30 trillion of AUM behind it. And you're, you're taking on the capital markets and the biggest institutions in the world. And um, do you really want to pick that battle? And I would argue, yes, like you want to start that battle now as opposed to years down the line when it could be a battle that potentially cannot be won because there's been too much influence exerted uh, via the ESG movement on these Bitcoin companies. Um, yeah, so I guess that's my post-mortem and I think um, Freak Skeef uh, out there, he he had a, a really good tweet earlier today that sort of really lucidly uh, described the distinction uh, of the debate. So two fundamental questions on the ESG debate that Skeef sees is, number one, are we adapting slash redeeming the existence, existing system or building out a new parallel system people can opt into or not? And then number two, does the mob defined as 80 to 90% of the population matter for what we are trying to accomplish with Bitcoin? And I think point two is particularly um, leaning into the part of the conversation with Darren and Michael where they're like, hey, we're just trying to get the 95% of the people who are in the middle uh, and pitch Bitcoin to them. And I guess, I guess Skeef saying here is like, do we actually need to do that um, for Bitcoin to be successful? Um, could this be something like the founding fathers um, and their the quest to separate from from England uh, in the 1700s? Some stats, the actual percentage of people who were supportive of the the revolution vary from as low as two percent to as high as like thirty percent, I believe. Um, so I guess you just should we hone in on a, a which kind of makes sense right if you yeah. think about today i mean with our rights to continue to get trampled on and i feel like the majority of people in this country uh would probably be uh loyalists uh to the to the british if if the revolution happened today oh 100 percent. yeah yeah that's another thing too i'm sorry if i've been bombastic on twitter uh last couple of weeks particularly but i don't know maybe it's tim foil hat i was accused of being paranoid by michael saylor maybe i am paranoid but i don't know it just seems like there is this global coordination of politicians and powerful entities that are really making a big push towards authoritarianism um it seems very overt and very coordinated and very aggressive in the last couple months, particularly. Uh, obviously, I had a thread 
that I started over the weekend, just trying to create a dystopian black mirror picture of the future that these people want, the World Economic Forum, Bank of International Settlements, the ECB, Jerome Powell coming out this week talking about CBDCs. They are openly talking about their intent to push us into this digital panopticon. Um, and I don't know, I just feel very compelled to viciously and aggressively speak out about it and try to make more people aware of the fact that they do have an agenda. They're openly talking about it and they plan to to push it on the So, First of all, I mean, just to go back real quick to the last point, um, I've, I've felt this uh, conflict, not necessarily with ESG, but just the idea of Bitcoin marketing in general. Um, I don't think we need to convince people to like Bitcoin or buy Bitcoin or use Bitcoin. I think Bitcoin is like water. You need it. Most people don't realize they need it yet. And when they realize they need it, we need the tools to be robust and ready for them um, so that they can then seek them out when it's, when it's time. Like they, they will figure out the need and then they will seek out the need. Um, maybe that's a little bit different if you're trying to operate a business in a certain jurisdiction and you, you know, you don't want regulators to, you know, destroy your business, but that's independent of Bitcoin to me. And I think people often conflate it like, oh, we need to, we need to convince people that Bitcoin is good or useful or whatever. Uh, when really what they're saying is I, I want to def defend my, my business interests, not Bitcoin. Um, the second thing is I'm curious, like, uh, I've kind of, Definitely, I, I'm definitely more um, sympathetic to that viewpoint in terms of it does feel like there is some level of coordination going on. Um, even like with the vaccine passports, we saw them get rolled out in multiple countries back to back. Uh, I'm curious if you've changed your opinion on whether or not China is sophisticated enough in seizing minors. Uh, when, when, when you relate to like th that level of coordination, the idea of a global coordination um, of human rights on human rights scales uh, is a way is way more difficult of a coordination than than just a single Chinese Communist Party uh, seizing hardware. I mean, again, I will concede I do think it's totally possible. And there have been so rumblings through the grapevine that potentially being thought of by the CCP as well. So something we should be aware of and um, cognizant of and hyper vigilant about uh, as a Bitcoin network, as participants in the network. Um, yeah, I mean, it's totally possible whether or not they will do it again is um, something that we we have yet to see and but we should look out for. I mean, again, like we described uh, in the opening, looking at the dashboard, it seems that some hash rate has come on the network between last week and this week. So, which is that, a good sign. Does that signal that miners are making it um, yeah. to shores abroad? Maybe. Uh, can't know for sure. Um, It'd be nice to see a difficulty adjustment up next week. Yeah. Next uh, difficulty period. Next epoch. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, I will. I will. Um, my. The amount of worry I have about the scenario of miners being seized at the border has increased over the last couple of weeks just because, um, yeah, I mean, it's possible. And this coordination that's going on, like why Bitcoin 
is China. I don't think China's coordinating with everybody. I think they're like an antagonist in the background. But um, yeah, Bitcoin does affect their ability to to exert the control that they want to have over their constituents, or they're not even constituents. They're the, the citizens of China. Um, they're subjects. Yes, yeah, exactly. Well, on that subject too, I mean, big move, subject. big move from um, the the Senate today. I mean, Senate passed a bill. Obviously, it's got to get signed by Biden uh, that would ban uh, U.S. companies or individuals from receiving uh, products from Xinjiang province, uh, citing the the subjugation and and encampment of the Uyghur Muslims. Um, and this, this is where they're producing the polysilicon, at, the cheapest polysilicon in the world that goes into all, not all, but uh, I, th- I think it's like 40% of the polysilicon is uh, from Xinjiang. And uh, that's what makes a lot of the solar panels. So it'll be interesting to see how it affects that market particularly. Yeah, I mean, I just, uh, just, uh, I, I would just push back a little bit. You know, it does, it does, uh, we, we could have governments around the world all take advantage of a similar situations to take power away from their people without uh, sophisticated centralized coordination, right? Like they're all operating under the same, um, similar situations or watching each other um, it doesn't necessarily just because it might seem like there is a central coordination. I mean, that that is obviously way more difficult. Uh, you know, coordinating large groups of people is 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 always difficult with different uh, personal interests. Yes, yes. But it's why they use indirect means to do that. Right. Like to use the media, as like I said, in that thread I wrote over the weekend, like it's crazy because again, particularly with CBDCs, it's insane how out in the open all these central bankers are talking about CBDCs and the granular control <laughs> they'll have over the, the ability to to spend and receive those. Uh, and it's part of like a, the ruse, right? You say the st- stuff nonchalantly out in the open and you get the media to parrot it and ridicule and fight against valid dissent uh, about CDBC, CBDCs and the public, most of it, that 80 to 90 percent that, that Skeef mentioned, uh, they don't really think for themselves. It's just the truth. They're sheep and they'll just take what authority figures tell them and, and go along with it. Um, so this is why, like anyone who like there's gotta be like, I'd be, I, I, I would love if that's, if I'm wrong about that prediction, but like, there's gotta be, we have not hit the, then they fight us stage yet. I don't know. Is it, um, well, like, in is terms it, of Bitcoin, like how is, does, how do they, if they, if, 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 if the plan, whether coordinated or not, which I, I, I still, I would push back that there's like some centralized global coordination here. I think it kind of works if it's, it, it makes sense to me logically that you have self-interested parties that all have similar goals. Um, but if the goal is surveillance money, digital surveillance money that they have full control over, um, then a free Bitcoin, a, a freedom money, 
is obviously going to be a threat and is going to be dealt with in that way. Yeah. So I would argue the fight's starting, right? And like, how do you attack Bitcoin? There's many ways to do it. You could do a 51% attack, or you could have the Chinese government, the CCP, seize all the miners trying to escape China, figure out a way to plug them in and uh, attack and reorg the network that way. That's a, that's a very overt attack at the network level, but there's other types of attacks, uh, social attacks being one of them. And is Bitcoin being socially attacked right now? Is ESG a vector through which Bitcoin can be socially attacked? I would argue yes. Um, and then there's other like, so there's going to be a private. I feel like a, the privacy attack is an easier attack. Because well, the groundwork is already there and it's like a slow boil, right? You just yeah. do KYC, you bag and tag 95% of Bitcoiners, you track all their transactions, um, and then you just force overbearing regulation on them. Um, and then you punish those who don't comply. It's like a, it's a, it's a relatively straightforward regulate, control, tax strategy that governments around the world have employed for many years. Yeah. In other industries. Well, but then there's other instances. Like, again, it's pretty vague what's exactly going on, at least to me. I'm sure there's freaks out there in Europe who obvious, who I, I would hope understand the landscape of the European Union and the dynamics of the European Parliament specifically. But I wrote about it on Monday, apparently last week. Uh, the it became apparent that the European parliament is putting something on the floor uh, to quote unquote deal with or regulate cryptocurrencies. And a lot of the political parties in the parliament are pushing for an outright ban of proof of work, uh, citing ESG compliance goals. And they're pushing people towards POS systems like uh, Cardano. And I think they said Algorand and, and shit like that, but uh, which would, they don't really, want you to use those either christine lagarde wants you to use her ecb cbdc um but then that's an attack i mean they're attacking proof of work overtly at least some political parties are whether or not that will make it into the proposal and get passed is uh, yet to be seen and could have just been some radical progressive parties that are pushing it but miners should improve their opsec Get and they'll learn, you know, if, if there's active attacks against miners, if there continues to be active attacks against miners, they will learn to either improve their OPSEC and or move to better jurisdictions. Um, yeah. And uh, it's just a common case of need to get burned first, uh, which how, we see in every aspect of our lives. But how crazy would that, that would be another double, uh, I hate to hate to bastardize the term black swan, but you have China banning mining. What if, who knows if they will, but what if? You're we always part? knew, we always knew the large mining operations were, you know, one of the vulnerabilities of Bitcoin. It, it's, yeah. it's, you can't hide those operations. They're not, they're very visible, obvious operations. Uh, they have real footprints on the ground. Agreed, but completely agree. Like, what is the what would the social implica implications be of the European Union doing this, right? That, obviously, China's done it. And everybody's like, oh, it's China, but like a Western power, like the EU. But putting... the EU also has like super expensive electricity, usually, right? 
like yeah i mean germany germany germany's household uh electricity costs are the highest in the world at like 36 cents per kilowatt hour or something like that so they probably don't even have like i wonder how much mining is happening in the eu to begin with i saw today like like there's a headline kazakhstan is now number three yeah but kazakhstan even like kazakhstan like did a did a beautiful honey trap rug pull with the mining industry. They're like, hey, come here. We'll give you tax credits. And then they were like, oh, no, tax credits over. So you're eating up too much electricity. And then they hook up all these co-hosting facilities with <laughs> a material amount of hash power. And they're like, actually, we're going to start taxing you now. Um, I believe it's two and a half or 0. 0.0025 still highly competitive. per kilowatt hour. Yeah, but it's, I mean, it's just, you go from credits to nothing to a small tax, you know, probably eventually increase. Um, but no, I mean, that, that small 0.0025 cents per kilowatt hour uh, does eat into margins uh, materially. I mean, the game of driving your electricity costs in the mining world is a game of tens of pennies. Um, so that will have an effect on, on profitability, particularly if people are lever- leveraging co-hosting facilities, which add cost on top of the, the all in power costs that they get. Makes sense. So what do we have next on the list? Some rosy things, BitMEX. They, uh, they've, oh, this got, is good. they've got their dev grant program uh, up back and running. So if you want to apply, if you're a developer contributing to the Bitcoin protocol or, or, um, technology, software, hardware around it, um, applications are open. Uh, so I guess they stalled this for a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's back. What do you think about that? Well, they've, been, they've continued to fund devs, but they hadn't brought any expanded. new ones on. Yeah. And now they're expanding again. It's great to see. They've, they've led the way in this regard and they continue to lead. And uh, it's always great to see Bitcoin companies give back to the ecosystem. Yeah. More of that, please. And BitMEX, uh, they've got a lot of fire on them right now and the fact that they're able to focus and, and do something like this, uh, considering the stress they uh, are currently under as a company is just like, again, one of the OG companies in the space has always been true to Bitcoin outside of the reuse of addresses. and <laughs> <laughs> um, But they're pretty based. Um, so more dev grants are on the way. Uh, and I'm very excited to talk about this with you. Like Trezor Suite uh, is officially replacing the web app. Is, is this what's going on? Correct. They're getting rid of the web app. I guess Trezor Suite was already out in uh, testing in beta, but now I've, it's officially launched. Yeah, I've been. I've used it. Yeah, it's really. It works. It's good. So it's, it's cross-platform. It's available on Mac and Windows, and I assume Linux as well. And. It's, it's the default way you interact with the Trezor now instead of the, of the browser wallet. Um, it's still, so, so what's good here is they have a renewed focus on privacy. Um, it has built in Tor. Um, th- their goal is to also make it easier to use with your own node. Cause right now it's really hard to use with your own node using, uh, you have to run their, like their version of the backend. Uh, which is it's difficult to run, um, but they want to integrate it with. The plan is either uh, first Electrum and then include Bitcoin Core binaries directly in the app, so you can just run Bitcoin Core directly in the app. Hell yeah! Um, 
And then they also said that they're planning on adding coin join and coin control, which neither of them they have yet. So um, I think coin control and using your own node are the two most important things, but it's really good to see that they added Tor support. Um, and regardless, I still think best practice, if you're gonna use a Trezor, first of all, you should, you should use it with a very strong passphrase uh, because it doesn't have a secure element. So if someone gets the device, they can pull the seed off the device if you don't use a secure passphrase. Um, or with the Trezor T, it has this feature where the SD card slot, can, the SD can be used um, to encrypt the seed. And then you need both the SD card and the device. So if you keep them separate, um, it adds an additional uh, security layer there. But regardless, if you're using a Trezor with those two caveats in mind, I still think you're better off using Spectre or Sparrow. Um, they're definitely a little bit more advanced than the Trezor suite. Um, but as a result, they give you easy full node support uh, and coin control and labeling. Uh, so, but all that said, good to see their default option become more private. Um, and it looks like they're in a good trajectory in that regard. Yeah. We're making strides, making strides. I mean, this we've been pretty critical of Trezor specifically around uh, the the lack of privacy and the fact that you have to dox your XPubs to their servers. Um, still have to do that, but they're they're making strides. At least your ISP um, has been cut out of the situation if you toggle Tor on. Um, Technically, you don't give them XPubs. There's a distinction. Um, you send them addresses and you they fetch the addresses for you. But in, so it's like you send them the next hundred addresses. I'm not sure the exact number, but you send them the next hundred addresses and they watch the chain for you. Now in practice, if you keep using it, it means they know all your transactions, know all your balances. Um, but it comes with the benefit that if you go to a more secure setup in the future, doesn't mean all your future addresses are necessarily docs, just like the next hundred or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But you should still best practice if you're trying to improve your privacy is to generate a whole new seed when you use your full node. Yes. Yes. Be aware freaks. Be aware. I'm told in the live chat that treasure does labeling. I'm pretty sure they don't. They might have accounts that you can label, but they don't actually have UTXO coin control labeling. Cheers. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Um, I know they said they were looking, they were going to add coin control in the future to Trezor Suite. So if they don't have coin control, they don't have UTXO labeling, but they do have account labeling, which is also what it's the same. It's a similar concept as what Green Wallet does, where they allow you to label individual wallets, but not um, the actual UTXOs, not the actual transactions. You want to, when Marty sends me a transaction, I should be able to put the label you know, Marty sent this to me, you know, Marty beer or something. And then I know that was Marty's payment for beer in like 10 years. When it, when I'm going to move it, I know, you know, what that transaction was or cash app or BISC or something. So I know what that UTXO is. So I don't combine them. And UTXO uh, management, be aware. So there's another aspect of their privacy thing too, which is pretty cool. The lock time. So you can set, uh, you can pre-sign a transaction um, and then set set it to be broadcast after uh, a certain block height is reached. How does this work? Like, like how would this work in practice? Um, 
So the main purpose of this is that when when it comes time, so so using your own node to receive transactions and verify transactions is strictly better for your privacy. If you don't use your own node, then you're using someone else's node and you're trusting them with your private information in terms of transactions, IP addresses, uh, and balances. When you're broadcasting, using your own node isn't necessarily uh, best case because um, there's, there's uh, techniques used on the broadcast side to try and make it harder for someone to determine your IP address. And if you use a VPN or Tor, obviously uh, you're, you're blocking it in that, in that regard. But strictly speaking, the, the best way to broadcast a transaction from a privacy point of view is to use something like uh, blockstream.info's API that broadcasts a transaction and you can connect to that through Tor. Um, so the idea here is that you can construct a transaction um, and instead of broadcasting out of Trezor's node or presumably in the future, your own node, you can go and you can take that transaction, you can save it as a text file and then you can copy and paste it at a later date uh, into blockstream.info or a similar, I think mempool.space has one too, into a similar broadcast um, only transaction API. Um, so it's just another tool in the tool set. I think that's one of those things that most users will probably never use, but it's nice that it's there. Yeah. Helps with the robustness of these authoritarians ever do begin overtly attacking the network and Bitcoiners. Uh, this is a way to use it more privately um, so you can hide from those authoritarians in the future. Shout out to Trezor, making strides, improving the product, and most importantly, helping to improve user privacy, which is something that, that we talk a lot about here, obviously. I I'm th still thinking of like the sailor discussion as well and like the whole... I know the freaks in the comments like stop talking about ESG, but fuck you, whatever. Um, the uh, -oh, did I lose you? Is my internet going? I, I hear you. Okay, you're frozen. A there you, you're back too. Um, it's a similar attack vector, right? Like we talk a lot about KYC, AML, um, particularly holding your coins on exchanges that thrust KYC, AML. Um, is a way to to attack Bitcoiners and potentially the network down the line. Like imagine if these authoritarian governments begin saying, "Nope, you can't you can't withdraw from exchange." Um, I view the ESG angle being pushed on the mining industry in a similar way. Like, hey, you get down a certain point in the road, it's like, all right, to be social, to check off the S, yes, you have to point your hash at this at this mining pool that is going to censor transactions. Um, for these publicly traded companies and they'd have to disclose that in filings and all that and track that granularly. Um, and I think on a long term, that's a decentralization incentive. Agreed. Agreed. But in the short term, it could be pain. And same with the KYC shit. Yeah. It's interesting too, because like if you get like all this capital and particularly publicly traded mining camp companies that like go down that path and are forced to go down that path. I mean, the capital providers behind them, essentially the stakeholders and the companies, shareholders, 
have control over a significant amount of hash potentially um, that is that is forced to uh, be directed in a certain direction or another. Um, just interesting thought experiment. We have Citrinity in the comments. Uh, I guess we should just jump ahead, but he, he wanted to do a shout out uh, to Craig Raw for being such a fucking boss because he just uh, pushed out uh, Taproot support um, on testnet, on Signet and Regtest um, for Sparrow Wallet, uh, one of the first wallets that supports receiving on Taproot addresses, um, all while the craziness in South Africa right now is going on. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're going to touch on both of those. We'll touch on South Africa towards the end when we get to like macro economics and the macro landscape. Uh, it's insane. What's like the videos coming out of there are fucking insane. Um, but again, we'll, we'll get to that. Let's jumping ahead to software updates. We're actually there on the list. Pretty short a lot list. of so like there's like not that much news this week, but there's a fucking shit ton of software updates. It's just what it's you just like to see. Fantastic. Consolidation phase, work getting done. All the, uh, the price volatility noise is at the wayside at the moment. It seems like people are getting shit done. Uh, we mentioned Blue Wallet in their LDK implementation earlier, but they've also pushed a new release version 6.1.9. Uh, if you're running Blue Wallet, consider upgrading to that. This supports uh, added support for URV2 QR codes, uh, offers additional file save destinations on Android, and uh it includes a Mac OS widget um, to, to make your access to the wallet easier and the information on it on iOS. Um, Just to be clear, freaks, you know, we talk about updates a lot. You know, you don't want to rush into updates. Um, and, you know, you want to uh, let them sit a little bit. Uh, just to make sure that there's nothing, no funny business going on. There's no malicious intent there. And you absolutely, without a doubt, I was talking to a freak with this the other day. And I don't think we say it enough is especially on mobile where it's very easy to do. You do not want to set auto updates on for any of your Bitcoin wallets, because then an auto malicious update can just come through. Um, and it's especially in, in, in the mobile world, you have these closed wall gardens. You have these, the, the Google plays and the Apple iStore, the, what do they call it? The iTunes um. store. The app store. It's the app store. Uh, and and you never know. Like they could just feed an update and just sweep your coins. So well, um, you want to disable auto updates. And we have examples of this, not particularly with Bitcoin and Bitcoin apps. Maybe there are examples, but we have a big example. And like apparently a lot of the ransomware attacks recently were enabled via an automatic update of Windows, particularly that uh, included malicious code, correct? It was an auto update of a program that was running on Windows, but yeah. Yeah. It wasn't that, actually Windows, but yeah. It came with the backdoor that apparently enabled a lot of this ransomware stuff. They compromised like the management software and then the management software compromised like a bunch of independent corporations. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a very uh, astute example of the dangers, potential dangers of automatic updates. So when it comes to Bitcoin related software, obviously your number one priority should be security at all costs. You do not want to lose your sats. Um, and so, like Matt said, make sure you wait a bit. Um, with mobile wallets, with mobile wallets, it's like you're a little bit more vulnerable. With hot wallets, you're a little bit more vulnerable, right? Because your keys are actually directly managed by the software. Um, you have a little bit more leeway. 
you should still not have auto updates enabled. But for something like Sparrow, if you have Sparrow and you're using it with a hardware wallet or multiple hardware wallets, multi-sig, um, they can't just sweep the keys, right? The keys are offline in whatever hardware wallets you're using. Um, so they're, it, it's, a, it's a more difficult process in terms of trying to compromise it. Now, privacy, they, they can compromise your privacy still. That's hot. Um, they can show you invalid information to try and trick you into signing something, but it does give you an additional layer of security there. Yes, yes. And I hope it's clear, freaks. Whenever we do the software updates, I, I say update if you yeah consider you updating. Consider updating if you want to. Hundred yeah, um, percent. That, that's just, why we, it was an important PSA. I think so. I just agreed. Agreed. No, completely agree. And I and just want to make it clear that's why we use that particular language. Consider if you feel comfortable. Um, with that said, with like yeah, like hardware, firmware too. Big be be aware of that um, as well. Uh, for your hardware wallets the sticky situation is when you get into like uh like something like bisc right like this most recent vulnerability they were like please update asap there's a there's a privacy vulnerability that we that we can't disclose yet right and then you just have to well we had that you have to use your own judgment you know there's, there's not always a clear <laughs> answer there um we had that with bitcoin core too what was that 2018 2019 uh with that cve bug Right. Um, it didn't affect every version, but it affected every version after like 16 point something or something like that. Uh, it was like, and then there was an argument with that because you could actually, instead of updating, you could downgrade, you could downgrade. Yeah. Which is a little bit less risky in terms of that threat model. Yeah. Yeah. So much, so much nuance that goes into all this hit your bingo boards freaks. Uh, Continuing with the software updates, Rust Lightning. They released it and they're just getting to work. Version 0.0.99 has been released. Um, Next Bitcoin version 0.0.47 has been released. Uh, I'm just going to keep rolling here. Uh, stop me if there's anything uh, pressing for any of these that you're... Um, that you want to highlight. Zeus version 0.5.2 has been released. Uh, I will highlight something here, not about this particular update, but I was talking to Evan uh, Kaloudis in DMs yesterday, and he was saying that uh, the the Bitcoin design guide and the Bitcoin design team, I guess from Square Crypto, is working on some stuff for Zeus, and it's just been incredibly helpful um, for the UX UI design for, I think he's creating an iOS implementation or something like that, um, or updating the iOS implementation. Um so just like, I, I again, I want to, we've talked about it before on the podcast. I wrote about it yesterday in the newsletter, but like a huge shout out to the Square Crypto team for the Bitcoin design guide. It's a massive asset. And I said it yesterday in the newsletter for new designers coming to the space, uh, something like this design guide will significantly reduce the amount of time designers spend on the learning curve. Just having these heuristics and these examples in a consolidated place is, is a massive asset for the designing community. What are you laughing at? I agree. I'm just laughing at all caps at Trinity. Kramer sold all his Bitcoin LMAO. <laughs> HFSP. Sold it for a farm too, or something like that. Still holds ETH. Well, ETH is going to be the ESG friendly. They're going to transition to proof of stake. And guess what? They have a shit ton of apps. You can do way more stuff with Ethereum. Marty. It's a Bitcoin only podcast. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 
are we are we going to become an ultrasound money podcast at some point in the future i love these periods where it just feels like everyone is shitting on us oh it's the best it's the best this is where the real conviction is built that and it's like this is where you get to nerd out about the software side of things and it's actually fun to do and get a better understanding of everything and when it's quieter you can dive into these things um fully noted version 0.2.18 has been released uh there was something big in this release it added L- lnd support that's what it was yes they already had c he already had c lightning support fontaine already had c lightning support mm-hmm. um but this adds lnd support yeah right. and it's got tor integrated and you just scan the qr code the, this idea of just connecting a node by scanning a QR code through Tor is the best UX in terms of connecting a node, especially, especially for mobile. Um, and it's just so good for uncle Jim's, you know, I just, this idea that you can just give a friend a QR code and have them scan it, um, is great. Now in lightning's case, um, if you do the LND quick connect QR code, uh, you're sharing funds. So like, you don't want to do that uh, for uncle Jim, but like in terms of like samurai wallet, like the way you connect your dojo, like you just send another person your QR code and they can connect to you um, or how L and D hub works. Uh, that's pretty fucking cool to me. Yeah. No, again, massive UX. I, that's for me too. Like, yeah, I'm pretty technical, but I'm lazy and just being able to like, pff, it's massive. So shout out to Fontaine and the fully noted team. Sparrow Wallet version 1.4.3 has been released, as Matt mentioned earlier. If we jump jump forward to this one, um, they've got Taproot support. Is it just Sasnet? Yeah, Signet. Signet and Regtest, which is Regtest. Yeah, yeah. Um, so if you're comfortable, consider updating to version 1.4.3. If you want to test out we Taproot have- on Signet, you can do that. Yeah, 100%. I mean, this guy just fucking ships, man. I fucking love Sparrow. Um, I just recently had Craig Roll on Dispatch for the second time. Uh, not the post, most recent episode, but last week. So if you haven't listened, to it, you should go listen to it. That's uh, Keto and uh, Craig Raw, uh, Keto Miner. We have MG Blazer is asking me why Marty is receiving phone calls during... Uh, <laughs> he's asking me, um, were mempools this dead during past bear markets? And that's what's weird is because usually someone at least is spamming it, faking it, right? Like there's no one even faking uh, mempool activity. I don't remember the last time. There's a bit of nuance to that spamming attack. It wasn't wasn't spoof transaction volume to make it look like Bitcoin was being used more, which it certainly did. It was to clog block space to push right. the big block narrative. Right. Yeah. But, you know, it's always, it's, it's, it's been, um, it's a common shitcoin tactic to uh, transaction counts on low fee networks are very gameable metric because it doesn't cost you that much money to send the transactions because the transactions are low fee. So we saw a lot of shit coins have done it in the past. I'm not going to name the specific shit coins, but they say, you know, look at all the transactions we're doing. 
but if they have low to no fees, then it, it, the cost for the players of that network to, to make, to make this, uh, make it seem like there's activity on the network is very low. Um, so you, you got to take it with a grain of salt. The only real transaction numbers when you can really trust them is when fees are high because there's a real cost to those transactions. Um, you can say that there's an upper bound. Obviously, there's not more transactions than what we're seeing in the mempool, right? In the mempools, there's not a single mempool. Everyone has their own mempools, but they all look relatively, if everything's going according, if everyone has good connections, it should look similar everyone's yeah. mempools. If transactions are propagating um, amongst nodes, you should have. So it's similar. kind of weird that we'd have no one faking it. You know, like you'd least expect. Yeah, I don't think it's that weird. Again, like the like, so if you got if you if you guys want to dig into some Bitcoin history, particularly like on chain history and investigative work, I mean Laurent from OXT.me works closely with Samurai as well. Is he officially on Samurai or like? Yes. Yeah, this is on the Samurai. He's one team. of the Samurai team members. Yeah, he did. Um, he did a deep dive into the spam attacks of the summer of 2015, 2016. Um, throughout 2017, leading up to the the block size, the block size wars, if you will, um, it's just fascinating uh, the the amount of research he did for that particular. I think he uh, what was it called? Bitcoin's Moby Dick was the. Uh, I'm not sure the name but of I that. I remember it was a good piece. Yeah. Um, he always so, does good work. Yeah, it does really good work. OXT.me, great block explorer as well. Um, what was I going to say? Yeah, I mean, transactions are low, but like you said uh, earlier, Bitcoin's like water. People are going to use it when they need it. The transactions will increase when more people need it. Apparently, uh, there's a lot of people around the world who don't think they need Bitcoin uh, as much and as they need. Specifically, they don't need you know private sovereign usage of Bitcoin, which uses more block space. Yeah. Because yeah. if you use a custodial exchange... Uh, if you keep your money on a custodial wallet, if you don't use CoinJoin, um, if you don't practice coin control, good coin control, these are all aspects that reduce your on-chain burden. If you, if you want to practice better privacy, if you want to practice better sovereignty, those users are going to use more on-chain space. Their demand for, for chain spaces, block space is going to be much higher. Um, and that is like the little bit of the bearish aspect of it is that you know, I was hoping that at this point in Bitcoin's adoption cycle, um, that we would have more people actively using the chain. Um, but it just, you know, we're 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 more we're more early than than even I thought. Yeah, and it is what it is. It is what it is. Um, luckily, right now the uh, the block subsidy is material enough at 6.25 bitcoin that, that miners are incentivized to keep their rigs up and running um, but again this is a highly debated and discussed topic uh in in the bitcoin world what will the long-term security of the chain look like once that subsidy decreases to a point that is uh not as material as it is now but nuance there yes it's decreasing in BTC terms, but if the price continues to do what it has throughout the last 12 years, which is go up and to the right and uh, trend up and to the right, at least the, the purchasing power of that uh, decreased subsidy may be competitive what 
with what it is currently with with a higher amount of bitcoin released there's also like there's another incentive um like a large miner has an incentive to fake uh more transaction volume because they mine they can mine their own transactions to themselves mm -hmm. so they don't have to pay full fees yeah but that comes with risk right 100 percent. like what if right? you don't get that block that's why you have to be a large miner yeah a massive miner like. but you could also like not tra tra you cannot broadcast that transaction until you're about to like you find a block could you find a hash and you hold I, the transaction to yourself and then you gotta because you, you have to find the hash first and then you construct the block right so you or, can just but, include your own transactions in before you broadcast it i but, wonder sometimes when you see like the super large fees that you're like why did someone pay that much or whatever if like some funny business happened it, it is a thing that could happen yeah like but, you could bitmain right now could just or what, whatever like ant pool could you know, mine a full block with, they're not, but they could with like 150 sat byte fees in it that they don't broadcast to the rest of the network until the block gets broadcast. Mm -hmm. And it could be, it'd be a completely valid block. And if you looked at mempool.space or whatever, it would show that the average fee in that block was a certain price. Again, yeah, it is risky. It is risky because even though you find the hash, then you present the block and between finding the hash and presenting the block, you could add that transaction. Um, a lot of the way these blocks are constructed, a lot of the blocks, um, they'll construct it in parallel with attempting to find a hash um, just because it's literally a race to, to beat the other miners by milliseconds. Um, so does that addition of that miners transaction take too much time uh, in the competition that they could potentially um lose that block Which well i they... think there does there'd be an advantage right if if you're a large miner and you include transactions that other miners haven't seen until they receive the block then the other if you're especially if you're a large miner the other miners are at a disadvantage on the next block finding all right adrian adrian in the in the in the comments is saying you can't add a transaction because the hash would change I was I was always under the impression that you find the hash and you present the block. You construct the block afterwards. Yeah. You, can, you what? Yeah. I mean, that's why you see mining pools were doing like zero, zero yeah, I don't transactions. Right? I don't think I don't think the discovery of the hash has any or the addition of transactions to a block has any effect on the hash. They're separate. No, you construct the block and then and then you and yeah, then you mine right. The discovery of the hash. The, Hash That's cash. why when they hash. when they had the zero when they were doing the zero it was just they would just ignore transactions and they would just immediately start constructing. Yeah, the way I under or there's another person saying you can't add a transaction after finding the yeah, hash. But, yeah. Well, maybe we're wrong. Maybe we're wrong. No, no, I think that's correct. But that's not what my point was. Okay. You could still when you construct the hash, you you include transactions that no one else sees. The Merkle tree of all transactions is in the construction of the block. You're right. hashing the info from transactions you can't find after. Um, but you can include transactions that no one else knows about. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, but hmm. Yeah, of course you can. Yeah. They're valid transactions. They're just, no one else has seen them yet. Yeah, the hashes of the info of the block. All right, I misunderstood that. I thought- You construct I thought... the block. 
I thought Hashcash SHA-256 was separate from block construction. I didn't, I didn't realize the transactions in the block affect the hash, um, which is what the freaks are barrages making me aware of in the comments. You learn something new every day. I got to reread Mastering Bitcoin. It's been like six or seven years. And it's probably out of date because it didn't include SegWit stuff. Appreciate that, freaks. Good, uh, good way to keep live. us honest. Yeah, good live fact check. Yeah. You're saying it's exactly as you said. You just hide the transaction, you broadcast it when you when you broadcast the block. Um this mint mobile data breach, pretty, pretty big. Bleeping computers. They're becoming a bleepingcomputer.com, becoming a go-to source for for RHR. Indeed. Um, so Mitmo will disclose uh, it had a data breach of unauthorized person gaining access to subscribers' account information and ported phone numbers to another carrier. That I like sounds... sleeping computer. They seem to be doing good work. Very good work. Um, so what is Mint Mobile? Is it a... It's like one of the shitty American uh, like subcarriers. What do they call them? MVNOs or whatever, where they like really don't have their own network. They're just... Uh... They rent other other people's uh, cell towers, mm -hmm. um, so it's like a budget carrier, but uh, it's just fucked up, right? Like it's like you can't uh, you can't trust anybody. No. Not only did their users get a bunch of their users got their numbers ported completely, which is like a SIM swap. Um, they also got like all that personal information on them. There's like a massive data breach, names, addresses, I think social security numbers. Yeah, and they're they're sort of doing damage control and trying to make it seem like it's not as big. A uh, subset as of users, they don't say how yeah. many. Well, here's how they describe it. Between June 8th, 2021 and June 10th, 2021, a very small number of Mint Mobile subscribers, phone numbers, including yours, <laughs> were temporarily ported to another carrier without permission. Um is some be aware of. I mean that could have affected Bitcoin users right like you port yeah that. I mean if you especially if you don't have if you have like uh if you have SMS two-factor which you should not have they port you and we see a lot of these sim swaps are inside jobs yeah um, so you should just assume that your phone number is not secure you should you should never be relying on the security of your phone number yeah I mean, yeah, imagine if somebody just ported your number and you didn't have 2FA from a third-party app. You're completely borked. If you're, if you're holding your stuff on exchanges, yeah. get your coins off exchanges, freaks. Help support the mempool. Hey, Marty still doesn't know how mining works even at 2X. Hey, BTC pins. It's very technical. I'm doing my best he's here. Behind. He's still behind. Apparently, I sound better at 2x. I'm also like it's it's a 130 rip today. It's I'm a slow rip. I'm coming. I'm coming right off a, a weekly stand up at Great American Mining and a and a gym session before that. So I've been going for like three hours straight. But we'll we'll turn up the energy to end this episode with the the last couple topics. Matt, is X Frog. Wait, X Frog had really good phrasing just to make it absolutely clear. Miners start hashing when they receive the header of the last block. They can mine an empty block with that until they receive the transaction list from that block to make sure they know which transactions not to include. Uh, 
Yeah, because they that would... good phrasing. Mine an empty block. Very clear. Because they would still get the, the subsidy because um, they would have confidence that there's no uh, conflict with the transactions that are blocked Correct. before it. Right. Yeah. Thank you, XROG. Thank you, Freaks, for contributing to this conversation. Maybe, maybe the comment section is a good thing. Comment section was always a good thing. It's all about the ride or die freaks. Love you, freaks. I know. We we love you. We thank you for your time. I don't know if we... I don't think we have shout-outs this week because our BTC pay server's been borked. Oof. Got to get um, on that. Yeah, I've been working on it because uh, it happened last week during the show. Um, trying to figure out what's going on. Uh, DJ, our dev, is very busy living in Hawaii on vacation. It's fucking... We need a new dev. <laughs> we love you dj we do love you dj and he loves us but he's amazing like dude i'm uh, he's a professional he's a very highly skilled sought after security engineer well freaks if you want to help out reach out yeah reach out um yeah so last two topics are macro events i mean we, we touched on it both of them earlier but i think we should expand on them uh jerome powell on capitol hill this week uh at, at answering questions from uh, Congress and, and the Senate, uh, or Congress is the Senate, uh, about uh, monetary policy. And obviously there was a, a bunch of questions about Bitcoin and central bank digital currencies and stable coins. And there was just a few, like, it's, it's crazy. I tweeted out this morning, like the Fed is either incompetent and ignorant or they're completely nefarious and malicious. And this is in regards to an answer Jerome Powell gave uh, regarding Fed policy and whether or not it was contributing to or is contributing to the growing wealth gap in the United States as QE, whatever we're on now, <laughs> uh, continues. Like, QE 27. <laughs> yeah, we would argue, I would argue that QE has a significant effect on asset prices, particularly stocks, real estate assets that that the rich uh have access to um more so than than the middle class or uh those in in lower levels of the economic ladder uh, and, and <laughs> the value increasing of those assets makes uh the rich richer and they drive that wealth gap further and further and he basically took that question and was like oh no poor people have ever come to my office and asked me to raise interest rates it's like what the fuck dude like how Number one, how tone deaf are you? Like, again, these people are on the lower rungs of the economic ladder, are literally living paycheck to paycheck, trying to keep up, trying to keep their head above water, trying to keep their families fed, trying to keep the lights on. They don't have time to study and understand the intricacies of the monetary policy, which you switch on a whim uh, month to month, year to year, quarter and to some quarter. Some of them are like day trading on Robinhood to try and keep up. Yeah. And it's just sort of disgusting, right? It's completely disgusting. I mean, and look, they're like, oh, we're going to do like a modest, we're targeting a modest inflation of 2%. And then we have the 5. CPI, 4. which we know they lie about. They already discounted to begin with, right? And it's if that's coming in at over 5%, then the real rate is way higher than that. It's, I mean, it's bad out there. I, my wife... She's pretty sorry. I mean, we had ribs yesterday. She went to the grocery store, bought ribs. It was like, 
it was like $45 for a rack of spare ribs. When she was like last summer, the, I swear to God, these were like 16 bucks. So like Bitcoin is the price, the real price of Bitcoin is, is way lower than it is right now. Right. Yeah. Because, because there's so much, there's been so much inflation that really like, if we're like in $2015, right. Like what's, what's the, what's the price of Bitcoin in 2015 dollars? Is it like 18,000 or something? I think you still have higher purchasing power, but the pace that increase in purchasing power is slow down compared to years past. Like, did we pat, are we above the 2017 all time high right now? Are we above $19,000 in 2017 at 32 yeah. in 2021? So we're 50% above the height of 2017. If you compare it to your rib prices, we're not. <laughs> right. But it's crazy. Like, again, the gaslighting, the double speak, all this. So this that's just one comment. We'll get to the, the cryptocurrency comments he made. Um, but it's it's... It's insane. Like I was at the farmer's market this week talking to my, my jerky dealer and the supply chain, the supply chain issues are real. Like he was distraught, man. I felt terrible for him. I was like, it was like the first, he hasn't been at the farmer's market the few times I've been there this summer. It was the first time he had a booth. Um, I've been eating this jerky for years down here and he didn't have, again, I was like, I love the intense heat. He didn't have it. And I was like, ah, what like, I thought because like I, I walk up to the the stand and he's he's got like the menu of jerkies that he has and he's got like 10 of them crossed out and I was like oh you must have been busy today like sold out of all this and he was like no actually like I can't make all this because I'm only able to buy 200 pounds of beef at a time compared to the thousand pounds of beef I was used to to buying before the lockdowns happened um, so that's like just like an anecdotal data point um, and the supply chains have constricted and that's material. I mean, that's 20% of what he was, <laughs> is, is used to buying. Yeah. And I mean, I, I imagine with jerky specifically, there's a lag, there's more of a lag because he needs to actually jerky it. Yeah. Yeah. He needs to like dry it out and all that stuff. Um, we have someone in the comments, Justin Evadon, who's saying that if you chart Bitcoin against M2, that we're like right around the 2017 peak, if you adjust for inflation, real inflation. Hey, you're maintaining value, maintaining purchasing power. At least you're maintaining it. I haven't completely lost it. Um, but again, like, yeah. And then it's just like, they have to be nefarious. Number one, the disgusting response to that inflation and the wealth gap question and then like the the overt double speak around the question that came up about stable coins uh private they would say private because they mean like private uh private it's weird like bitcoin's a public ledger it's for the public but it's private in the sense that it's not uh issued by a by, central bank yeah by government connected central bank um it's like, oh, yeah, like once we get our CBDC out there, there'll be no reason to use stable coins or, or private cryptocurrencies was was the the words that he decided to run with. But it's like they exist because the central banks are, are mishandling the money. And th- this whole posturing from the Augustine Carstens, Christine Lagarde's, Jerome Powell's of the world that 
the central bank digital currency is going to be like material different from the currency so system weird. that we have now. Like we have digital currencies, like the US if dollar anything, is digital. Our digital currencies that we like the digital versions of the dollar today that aren't using like a formalized CBDC kind of like blockchain based centralized blockchain based process are are you know have less control and, and less surveillance capabilities than these CBDCs do. So if anything, the CBDCs are worse for the end user than the you know they come with the same exact trade-offs that the early digital versions of the dollar have, which is censorship and surveillance and lack of access. And then they add on top of that even more of it, right? Like it's not even an improvement over the current digital. It's an improvement for them, but it's not an improvement for the end users. Yeah. So Jerry, Jerome Powell mentioned that the Federal Reserve plans on releasing a CBDC white paper at some point this fall, which will describe the pros and the cons of the CBDC that they plan on launching. Uh, I'm sure they will list all the cons that you just mentioned. Um, I'm sure they'll talk about not allowing you to buy certain goods with your CBDC at certain My points of time. My favorite is the expirations. Right? Here's your you know, $1,200 stimmy and you have to spend it in the next six weeks. Do your part. And you have Do to your spend part. it at these merchants for these things. Yeah. Do your part, surf. Stoke the economy. We need growth. We need growth. They want control. They want complete control. And again, they're saying this overtly, nonchalantly, out in the open. The Brian Stelters of the world, the MSNBCs of the world, the Fox News of the world, CNBCs of the world especially, are going to parrot the lines that the Augustine Carstens, Christine Lagarde, and Jerome Powell's put out there, which is Bitcoin bad, CBDC good. They're going to gaslight the public. They're already starting to posture heavily about this. So just be aware. I mean, we had so- two articles this week that I noticed that kind of did that. We had the Rolling Stone one about uh, the conference that kind of did that. They called us like a religious cult. Really? Um, yeah. And then the, the, there was like a CNBC article about our lady, uh, uh, Katie, the Russian. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was like, it was very much of like, you have to, if, if, if we don't like put more regulations on Bitcoiners, then they're going to not pay their fair share of taxes, which is like, a, that's a very easy sell emotional to no corners. Yeah. Again, I, I would say the war is here. We're being socially attacked pretty aggressively. Um, the CBDC is a, it's a bait and switch. It's a social attack. They're going to try and convince you that it's it's better, it's safer, it's more environmentally friendly, which is what the ECB is leaning into. Um, they're just going to and they're going to make it more convenient for people, and they're going to force people to use it, which is their classic strategy. It's a twofold strategy. Yes. Yes. But that's why Bitcoiners need to start learning about how to use Bitcoin more sovereignly and 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 more privately. Now they have you have to be prepared now because because it, when when you absolutely need it, it could be too late at that point. Yeah. And 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 us as Bitcoiners, we're leaking way more data than you realize. We're leaking tons and tons of data. shit ton of data. Um. Freaks, I mean, we got to start spreading this. Again, like I said in the beginning of the rip, I felt compelled to be more vocal about this stuff because it does feel 
like the walls are caving in a bit. Again, is that just me? Am I being paranoid? Or do you, I know you sense that a little bit too, right? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think, uh, you know, the darkest hour is before the, what, what the, <laughs> it's darkest before the dawn. Exactly. There you go. Um, yeah. I'm like very optimistic on the medium to long term. Um, but I think there's going to be like a period of chaos. And I think Bitcoiners are like easy scapegoats. And I think most of us are super vulnerable. I think we're extremely vulnerable, myself included, Marty included. Um, very public about it, all this. It's up to us. It's up to us to to individually and for our friends and for our families make ourselves less vulnerable before it's, you know, maybe not possible anymore. Yeah. Why are they going to start killing Bitcoiners? Not out of the realm of possibility. Honestly. Um, speaking of chaos, that's what, topic i wanted to add on just like to highlight like these kleptocrats this political central banking corporatocracy technococ technocracy cabal technocracy technocracy you got technococks they're transhumanist <laughs> uh, robot penises everywhere <laughs> uh, but i mean the cause i mean so there's Massive riots going on in France about the vaccine passport that Macron is mandating. Uh, the riots, the protests. Yes, yeah. We should not call them riots. That's did I, like did I that's say using riots? Their, that's using their uh, terminology. terminology. Yeah, I should have used riots if I did. Protest. I, I thought I said protest. Did I say riots? I think you said both. Whatever. Um, yeah. Uh, Macron, if you guys are unaware, came out earlier this week announcing that in starting, I believe, August 6th, they're going to be mandating vaccine passports if you want to go to shops, restaurants, public, basically public companies. If you want to go out, if you want to get out of your pod in France, you're you're going to have to have your vaccine passport. In the and, UK too, right? Yes, but in the UK they've been a lot more docile. Um, and the, did I, I? I thought I saw like two. Except of the, for except for in Ireland, um, in Ireland they're protesting. I saw. I saw like two of the main bars, I think in the UK that said they're just not, they're not going to comply. Yeah. They announced that they announced that, um, in London, two bars said, all right, we're going to let everybody in tomorrow night without two clubs. Yeah. yeah like, do yeah. something about it. It's good to see Ireland people hitting the streets as well. South Africa. Like I'm honestly a bit ignorant to the situation down there. It's just, uh, just obviously hard not to see the videos coming out of South Africa. It's like, holy shit, what is going on? I cannot speak to it really, but it does Neither not look I. good. No, it doesn't look good at all. Um, and all this unrest just highlights, I would argue. Quebec has the vaccine, domestic vaccine passports too. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It's, I think we're seeing the products of attempts to micromanage, control, uh, economies and large masses of people um, centrally and from a top-down fashion. Whether or not the people engaged in these protests uh, would would highlight that as the the cause for their strife and the impetus for them hitting the streets. Um, maybe not all of them recognize this, but this is what I would argue is like we're just seeing the products of of authoritarian 
authoritarianism growing and governments getting bloated and bigger and trying to amass more control over their populations. And um, we have the Cubans standing up. It's good to Cubans, see. Cubans. You the, see the New York Times uh, tweet? Um, Chanting freedom, freedom and other anti government slogans. <laughs> so, like, again, tune out the mainstream media, their propaganda arms of this Marxist movement that's being thrust on the West. Uh, what else? Oh, yeah. Haiti. The president got fucking assassinated. That was fucked up. Yeah. A lot of shit going on in the world. A lot of shit. Um, stay safe out there, freaks. Any of you freaks and any of the countries mentioned, um, hope you're all staying safe out there, particularly in South Africa. I mean, the videos coming out of there are just jaw-dropping. Like these, South Africa has been like... Yeah, I mean, they've, I mean, there's unfortunately just years of fucked upness. Yeah, obviously, you yeah, had the apartheid, and now the pendulum swinging the other way, um, where the, the, the racial division is, is very, I think it's bad here. Yeah, it's actually, I mean, a legit race war where people are getting killed and intimidated and stuff like that. Um, for years now, I mean, the white farming class in South Africa, from what I understand, has been targeted for for quite some time. Um, but again, I'm not. I'm pretty ignorant on. Yeah, I, the I'm whole not going to comment on shit. I just hope yeah. that the freaks are all safe everywhere, and that uh, keep your head on a swivel no matter where you are. Take care of yourself. Yeah. Don't. Uh, at the end of the day, the only person that's going to take care of you and your family and your friends is yourself and your friends and your family. Yeah. Um, you gotta, you gotta protect your tribe and you gotta, you gotta watch out for your own neck. Yeah. And, and a part of that is educating, like make your fr- family and friends aware of this. Like try to, obviously not, f- this is, uh, not, not literally shake them, uh, tell them like, Hey, things are fucked up, but lightly shill. Like <laughs> the, the fact that authoritarianism is growing and, um, again maybe i sound somber this episode because it is it's been pretty heavy this week and the the mental toll of trying to shake people out it's like oh shit does anybody even care does anybody even realize and if not what does that mean for the next few years um pretty heavy shit freaks pretty heavy shit um but there does seem like there's been a material shift in uh again, the coordination to thrust these authoritarian policies on the populace and, um, and the unrest throughout the world. Again, I would argue the, the source of all of this is the, the attempts to centrally plan the economy in, in masses from these governments and central banks. It all stems from that. 100%. Should we end on that somber note? Um, before we end, I mean, uh, our buddy NBK would be a little upset with us. Uh, he tagged us both in this upcoming feature that's coming out on cold card, uh, which allows you to the rip? take those. What? During the rip? No, he did this. I just realized it, but he did this like yesterday. Um, the, the child seeds, it has this cold card has this feature for BIP 85 where you can, um, where you can export child seeds of your main cold card seed. So all you have to do is back up the main cold card seed and then you can use those seeds 
uh, in mobile wallets uh, without backing up the individual seeds. And to make that import easier, now it'll display the Q card. Well, in the next update, it's going to display the QR code directly on my cold card, which I think is a pretty cool feature. Hell yeah. Shout out Rodolfo. Having uh, hit that bingo, that bingo uh, square in quite a few weeks. Sorry, Rodolfo. I miss you. I haven't seen your face in a couple of years. Um, I had something else I wanted to throw in there. Um, but, I, but I'm losing it. I'm losing it. Lost you have to it. remember the index of the child seat as well as Trinity pointed out. But like, if it's index one, index two, index three, you know, it's not uh, the the hardest thing to remember. But yeah, yeah. And I remember what I was going to say. Uh, Towers Comics in in the uh, live chat is asking, "Am I going to do a pod with Laser Hoddle?" Yes, we're we're coordinating. We're going to do a, a pod. Joel, aka Untapped Growth, um, is probably going to join us, and we'll. We're going to continue, whether you like it or not. I know a lot of you freaks are annoyed about it, but I don't care. I feel like it's essential. We're going to continue peeling back the the layers of the ESG movement. We're going to get into um, specifics about who's pushing it, uh, what organizations, and what their intent may be. Um, so we've had a few podcasts about that recently, and love it or hate it, we're gonna we're gonna go a little bit further. So. Awesome. More content, the better. Um, yeah, I mean, this has been a great rip, Marty. Uh, I love the freaks and uh, don't uh, don't let this sideways, you know, Bitcoin world just uh, discourage you. It's it's uh, it's part of it's it's part of Bitcoin. Use and use Bitcoin more. Use the tools. Learn. Educate yourself. Get comfortable with it. You know, now's the best time to do it. If we're if we're correct and fees do go up. Now is the cheapest time to learn how to use the chain in a more efficient, privacy-preserving way. Um, and you, if you don't teach yourself, no one's going to do it. So, yeah, the, a very cheap time to practice uh, your your Bitcoin usage. Uh, take advantage of it, because again, this stuff <laughs> at any moment volatility could pick up, mempools could fill up. And all of this practice could get a lot more expensive. Volatility is coming. I, re- I repeat <laughs> my, we either go up or down significantly, but I, I really do. Like, I don't know, man. I, I feel like this is like such an amazing stackering opportunity that, you know, but you know, I, who the fuck knows anymore? I love you freaks. Just stay humble about it and stack sets. Love you freaks too. Peace and love. Enjoy your weekends. Enjoy your life. Enjoy your family. Enjoy your friends. You only got one life, very, very limited amount of time on this world. Use it wisely.